This episode of the Insurance Coffee House is sponsored by Insurance Search. Insurance Search provides executive recruitment services to insurance companies and brokers in the UK and across the United States. Visit insurance-search.com for more details. The Insurance Coffee House, the place where you get to meet and learn from some of the most successful insurance business leaders from across the world. Hosted by Nick Hoadley, CEO of Insurance Search. Welcome to the Insurance Coffee House Global Insure Tech Series. My name is Nick Hoadley, and each week I'm going to be interviewing a leading insure tech executive to find out more about the technology opportunities that are there for the insurance industry, whether that's for brokers, carriers, or direct to policyholders. And I'll also be looking at and exploring the different career opportunities available for people from within the insurance industry. So please join me each week as we learn more and we discover what advice they have for insurance leaders looking to make that move into an insure tech or a startup business. Today, I'm joined by Jonathan Davey, who is the CEO of HugHub based in the UK. Welcome to the show, Jonathan. Thank you, Nick. Good to be here. Yeah, Jonathan, thank you. It's great to have you on the show today. Really looking forward to hearing more about HugHub. Before we do that, can I ask you just to share with the listeners a little bit more about your career and your background? Sure. I mean, I've been involved in technology uh, and the insurance space for, since long before InsureTech was even a thing, right? It was just technology and insurance back in your day. Uh, so the better part of 30 years, uh, I've worked for some of the larger software houses in the space, dealing with insurance brokers, MGAs and insurance companies. And I've also spent eight years as CEO of uh, an insurance business, an MGA, in fact, writing 100 million of premium income in the commercial line space. So I've kind of been both um, seller and designer of technology and as well as a user of technology. So both sides of the fence. I got to the point kind of five years ago, really, where I recognized that there's an awful lot of legacy tech out there. And the insurance industry is is kind of quite full with it, actually, and is is uh, has a number of systemic kind of challenges as a consequence of some of that legacy technology stack. Um, and I just felt there was a different way of doing things. And if you think about consumers in other industries and the services and the, the way in which they interact digitally with service providers, you know, it really is quite different to the experience that they enjoy or, or don't really enjoy in the insurance world. And, and I felt that there was an opportunity there. So, so five years ago, we formed a business to, to basically take on some of the incumbent thought processes and challenge the thinking around how consumers should be engaged with. If you look at, if you look at the way that we work in the industry, we talk about our customers frequently as, as policyholders or policy numbers or if you come from an underwriting background or, a, or, a, or an actuarial background, we call them risks. Well, that's no way to talk about a customer, right? A customer has needs and, and demands and uh, needs to be treated as a customer right the way across their insurance estate. And uh, so we set out five years, to go, five years ago to build what we call the Amazon of buying insurance to try to use some of the sort of techniques and ways which which firms use data and customer behavior to just give customers a completely different experience in terms of buying insurance. That's probably quite a long answer to Nick as, a, as by way of introduction, but hopefully gives you a sense of who I am and what I'm all about. It certainly does, Jonathan, and really looking forward to hearing about where the business is now and the plans moving forward. Before we start on that, I know you're a very, very busy guy. You've had very long and packed days. As we are in the insurance coffee house, what is your go-to coffee of choice that gets you ready in the morning? I'm a simple person, black Americano. 
black Americano. Fantastic. Jonathan, if we can just start off, if you wouldn't mind, just by giving a bit of bit more of an overview about Hug Hub and what the business does and, and where you are at the moment with it. Sure. So as I've alluded to, you know, we've we built the Amazon of buying insurance. We are a digital engagement layer, uh, which can either sit on top of legacy technology or can operate independent of legacy technology, which gives retailers of insurance an innovative, new and intelligent way to engage with their customers to sell insurance products. We describe ourselves as insurance product agnostic. So it doesn't matter whether it's commercial lines, shops, office, restaurants, pubs, hotels, personal lines, motor, home, pet, travel, gap, whatever, or even health insurance doing. So we're completely uh, insurance product agnostic. And we help retailers of insurance, whether they're brokers, managing general agents, or insurance companies to streamline, make better, make more efficient their engagement with their customers. And basically using, using data and consumer behavior to offer those consumers a more personalized, a hyper-personalized, as we call it, a hyper-personalized and a more uh, bespoke experience when dealing with that retailer. Great. And how have you developed the product over those five years? What are some of the sort of the key features of the, of the product that you can share with us? Well, five years ago, we thought we were probably going to be a front end which sat on top of some of the existing legacy technology stacks out there. And then we met our first sort of MGA type customers who really didn't have any existing legacy to sit on. Uh, They loved the front end, uh, but what they needed is some of the back end policy processing as well. And so we, we kind of ended up developing the product quite away from where we'd originally started. So we do the the digital front end and that experience, but we also have the capability to manage the contact center for or a branch network for a retailer of insurance uh, so that all of the policy processing and servicing parts of their proposition can be handled through HUG, whether that integrates with a a policy admin system underneath or whether it sits independently. So we, we kind of, for any retailer, we're able to manage their online and offline journeys. And we absolutely describe our product as an omni-channel experience. So build once, deploy many, build a product, deploy it across any distribution channel, uh, any brand, any network, or any part of a broker, MGA, or insurer's business proposition. So it's quite a big adaptation there to meet your customers' needs. Yeah, I think um, you know we're all going to be guided and directed by what customers say they need and want, uh, and we've certainly certainly done that. We've also invested very heavily in R and D over the last five years to, to to continue to try to be at the forefront of of that customer experience technology. Yeah. Um, as I say, when you look outside of the insurance industry, there's an awful lot of great models out there of, of, of people doing things in an intelligent way and you know, treating customers as an audience of one rather than a, a, an audience of many. And we've tried to bring some of those kind of tools and techniques into the insurance industry, obviously alongside you know, the demand and need of customers, but to, uh, to develop a platform that actually transforms the way, the way that retailers engage with their customers. Yeah, great. Thanks, Jonathan. In terms of the key benefits that you provide to not only to the the carriers, but to the brokers and the end, I'm not going to say policyholders, customers, what would you say are those key benefits? Well, for a customer, it's things like having a single customer view. 
So instead of being a, a customer of, a, of an insurance retailer and having several different disconnected policies, but to actually have a, a holistic understanding of the policy holdings that you've got with that insurer mm-hmm. and to be able to use that information intelligently so that we start promoting products to that customer that they might want to buy. Again, back to my, my Amazon analogy, you know, I bought products off Amazon because they recommended them to me. I didn't even know I wanted them, but actually I was pleased to buy them once they recommended something that was suitable and and appropriate. And we're kind of trying to do that exactly the same in the insurance world. So using that data and behavior uh, of a customer to intelligently recommend or or provide products to them, which give them a better experience, means that they're buying the right things, uh, means it's a more compliant sale. So there's lots of benefits to the end customer. The benefits to the broker, well, they, or, or the MGA or the insurer, they differ according to those different sectors. Um, and there are, there are many different things. But, but for example, when a customer manages to self-service some of the events that they were otherwise going to ask you to do, that reduces your operating costs and actually improves the customer experience. When a customer doesn't want to do that or gets partway through a journey, to be able to pick that up completely seamlessly in a contact center, knowing exactly where the customer got to, the data that they've entered, Mm. And to be able to help the customer through a journey offline is a much lower cost and a better experience for the customer than it would be to get the customer to ring you and say, well, what can I do then? Yeah. That's not a great experience. So being able to have that moving from offline to online and back again, really, really important. And the consequences of that for a retailer of insurance is it makes them distinctly more operationally efficient. It means they have many more customer touch points. You know, one of the challenges in our industry is that we talk to our customers either when they have a claim or at renewal. So we create as many touch points and opportunities to engage with the customer throughout the policy lifecycle as possible. You know, even if it's just reminding the customer that their MOT is due next month, friendly little piece of advice, little bit of piece of help, very easy to do with, a, with the CRM components of our platform. Another little customer touch point, which cements the relationship with the customer. And let's face it, insurance is not exactly renowned for a great deal of loyalty. And we're, so we're trying to create some loyalty for those retailers in an industry which for, for which loyalty is, is not well known. I think for the customer as well, actually, a bit like what you say about the Amazon buying experience. If they're educated about other products which are out there, or it might be a time in their life where they've just been browsing looking at cars or if they've been browsing at holidays and you know up pops the you know travel insurance off the back of that with the carrier that they've already got insurance with you know that's going to make their lives a lot easier and actually take a lot of stress out of their own individual lives when it comes to purchasing their insurance absolutely right i mean let me give you a couple of examples so customer goes onto one of our websites uh, for one of our customers everything we do is fully branded for whoever our customer is so they go onto the website and perhaps they have a look at pet insurance. I think it's reasonable to assume if you were looking at pet insurance, you may have a pet. So why wouldn't we then use that data point to promote pet insurance to the customer? And when the customer at some point goes on and does a quote, and then they've got to tell us they have a dog, not a cat, then why wouldn't we show a picture of the dog? And if we knew it was an Alsatian or a Dalmatian, let's show a picture of an Alsatian or a Dalmatian. So we're gonna really personalize the experience for the customer based upon their data and their behavior. So that, that gives that customer much more of an affinity. They're much more, you're, you're understanding them, you're working with them. Another example, you go onto our website and you're looking at the website on your mobile phone. Well, now I not only know you're on a mobile phone, I perhaps know that you've got an iPhone 8. 
So instead of selling you gadget insurance, why don't I sell you iPhone 8 insurance at a very fixed price because I know precisely what you've got. And why don't I make it really easy because I already know your name and address and telephone number. All I really need you to do is click here if you want to buy and give me your card details, which I've already got on file and you just validate the, the pin code. So that kind of experience makes it really easy for the customer to buy, which makes it really easy for the retailer to sell. Yeah. And ultimately, we're all in business to continue to grow our businesses and to sell. And so making those kind of transactions simple to do, frictionless, as frictionless as possible. Um, yeah, that's what we're all about. It's absolutely fantastic. Jonathan, how do you see the insurance market changing over the next five years? Clearly, we're talking a lot about insurance buying and about how, how that might change. What do you see as the major changes coming up in the insurance industry over the next few years? I think reg- regulation and the regulatory pressure is going to continue to change retailers of insurance need to do for their customers, what they're obliged to do to remain compliant. I think technology has moved on so significantly, even in the last five years, that you're going to continue to see new insurtech businesses eroding maybe some of the value proposition of some of the more established players. I don't think completely. I don't think we're about to see, you know, your guide wires and duck creeks or uh, or others of this world suddenly disappearing. But I think some of the functionality, the more niche market insurtech players are able to cultivate, actually can augment and support and add to the value that those those more hesitate to use the word legacy again, but I can't think of an alternative. The sort of the the, the well established, right? The well established policy administration systems, the, the oil tankers that might take quite a long while to change direction. And this isn't just about how good we are at technology as a business. This is about how the industry's changed. Technology industry now with microservices architectures, APIs web services, gateways that enable systems to talk to one another, not just at a peripheral level, but at a really kind of deep and integrated level, means that I would expect there to be many more kind of ecosystems existing out there where different types of players are part of many different types of ecosystems, where they can have specialist functional components of different types of software applications to deliver against their operational challenges and their their go-to-market strategies much more effectively than just buying a package. And I think the days of the days of organizations spending, you know, 10, 20, 30, 50 million pound replatforming, you know, I'm sure somebody out there will still continue to do it. But that's that's the rarity. That's the exception. Those programs tend to be so big and take so long that, frankly, the CEO that started it probably won't be the CEO that ends it. And on that basis, those programs tend not to be well favoured. So I think you'll see a continued increase in niche market technology capability with firms creating their own and being part of ecosystems, supporting the challenges for the insurance world. And I think those things will be, and this is another significant change, I think they will increasingly be global changes, not just UK changes. So multi-currency, multilingual solutions capable of solving those same insurance challenges uh, globally, that, that's where our business is headed. And that's where I think you'll see the biggest quantum shift in, in how technology and the insurance world work hand in glove. That's my opinion. Thank you, John. That's very insightful. And clearly you're sitting right at the cutting edge of, of the technology out there. So it's, it's, it's great to get your insight onto that. Brings us nicely on to the espresso round now where the questions are short, sharp and straight to the point. So I know that you like your black Americano. Are you ready for, for an espresso now? Go for it. Yeah. The espresso round. Jonathan, I know you've been actually on a bit of a, a hiring um, spree over the last 12 months. Clearly the business has been growing a lot. 
What percentage of your employees would you say are from an insurance background compared to a, a non-insurance background? Well, that's, that's a really good question. I think the answer is as many as we can get. So whether we're talking professional services people, project managers and BAs, they, they've absolutely got to come from an insurance background. But even our development team, we operate a consultant developer model. So all of my developers need to be capable of having a sensible conversation with a customer. And so I would say all of them have got some financial services or insurance background. And in an ideal world, all of them will have a, an insurance background because we, we want people who can have intelligent, sensible conversations with our customers directly uh, and not have to feed everything through a project manager or through a BA. That consultant developer model is quite important to us because it means that we can be very agile in our delivery model yeah. and deliver things really quite quickly. So yeah, that's not an espresso answer, is it? As many as possible, Nick. That's absolutely fine on two ends. First of all, music, music to our ears, I think it's great whenever an insure tech is really focused on bringing that insurance expertise into the business. I think that's a wonderful thing. But also, yeah, you have actually answered the ne my next question, which was going to be the value that they can bring. So thanks very much for that, Jonathan. Moving on now, what would you say are the personalities that best suit a business like yours? So they might have the insurance experience, they might have good technical knowledge, but what would you say the personality traits would, would fit a fast-moving business like yours? Well, look, I mean, this is my fourth startup um, in one way or another, and the others have been successful based upon the, the recruitment strategy of getting the right people in. And getting the right people needs, means that they need to have clearly the right technical competency uh, for the role. But culturally, there is a sort of a, a requirement, really, that they need to fit the type of person or rather the, the business the business needs to fit them as individuals. Now, let me explain that. There, there are lots of people who are very comfortable working for large organizations where they have a very kind of nine to five type existence, a, a nine to five job with a very clear role profile, with a very clear set of standards expected of them. And they come in and they do their job and they go home and they're very well, they're paid well and they, they enjoy what they do. And, and I'm not saying that there's no role for people like that in insurtech or fast moving businesses. Of course there is. But actually, culturally, one of the things we're looking out for is people who've got that entrepreneurial edge. They want to make a difference. They want to be a shareholder in the business. They want to get options. They want to be part of a journey. They want to be part of an experience of building a business. And for those people, you know, and I, obviously I include myself in that. I often say my, my job title is CEO. That stands for Chief Everything Officer. Because you've got to be prepared to do what it takes. And what it takes on a Tuesday might be different to what it took on a Monday. And so having people who can be adaptable, flexible, dynamic, you know, demanding of themselves, they work the hours that it takes to get the job done. They pick up things as they see problems, they go away, they go and find the problems to solve them rather than waiting things to come to, come to them. If we can staff our business 100% with people who've got that philosophy on life, then I'm a happy chap, right? That's, that's what we're aspiring to. People who, who really want to make a difference and not just come to work for a job. For those people that do, they find the rewards are being part of that journey. It is exciting. It is an experience. Uh, but also because we tend to reward all of our staff with share options in the business, then at some point they'll see a capital value as a consequence of that effort that they've put in and that sort of joining and being part of that culture. And that's important to me too. I'd like everybody to come to work, not just for a salary, but because they believe they're building something of real value. And if they are, they should share in that value. 
That's fantastic. So it certainly aligns with what you're looking for in terms of on entrepreneurs. And I think wherever a business does offer some sort of shareholding or, or share in the business, I think that certainly attracts those those types of people and those those types of personalities. Is that something that you offer from day one or is that something that, that comes to them down the line? How, how does that work? Well, EMI options kind of have to be done in blocks. So we, you, you do a round and then when you finish that round, with its members, then you do another round. So we're about to launch a new round for new staff that we've got joining now and will be joining in, in the near future. I think there's only two people that we've got in our existing in our existing business that are not already in a round. So yeah, clearly they've got a past deprivationary period. Inside of that, we'd like to get people involved in EMI and you know from day one. It is a it's a philosophy, you know, and it is important to us. So ideally we'd love people to be shareholders as soon as possible and get the benefit from that themselves. Yeah, brilliant. Thank you, Jonathan. Flipping things around on its head slightly, is there anything in the insurance industry that you see lacking in in candidates? Any sort of skills or experience that you actually think someone from outside of the industry might have might have more of? Is, is, is there any sort of frustrations you get there at all? Well, I think interestingly in the world of digital, given what I've said about perhaps some of the the legacy tech and platforms and and maybe some of the legacy approach of some organizations, getting people who are top-notch in terms of their digital experience from the industry has potentially can be a challenge, is a challenge. So, but I think in terms of BAs, project management, there's people who understand the industry. No, there's there's plenty of people out there that have got a good range of experience and understanding. It's just that digital piece which is sometimes missing. But when you come at it from a complete technical perspective, engineering perspective, I mean, there's some fantastic. We benefit from being in London, and whilst obviously with COVID, we've got people currently you know all over the place. But having started the foundation of the business in London, we have a uh, a great recruiting ground of hugely talented people who are excellent first class 10x engineers, engineers and testers. And so we've been able to build out the foundation in a really strong place. I think as time goes on, post-COVID, whenever post-COVID happens, I think we'll continue to see more remote workers and, and working from home. I'm working from home now. Yeah. And we'll continue to see more of that as time goes on. But, but no, there's, there's still a good pool of, uh, of, of exciting talent out there. There certainly is. There certainly is. Final question, the espresso round, Jonathan. If there are any insurance executives or, or leaders out there who are considering a move to insure tech or to, to a startup company, what do you think they should be doing now in order to prepare for that transition so that it is a successful move? Well, uh, maybe a controversial answer. I think if they are thinking about it and preparing for a move, they need to get the skates on. I mean, I think it was EY that recently published a paper that said, you know, digital transformation is now stay in the game requirement for all retailers of insurance, whether they're large or small. And I would echo that sentiment. And I think if we if we look back to sort of 2019 era for our business and what we were doing then, we were talking to a lot of people who were talking about digital transformation. And one of the consequences of COVID has been an enormous number of those people no longer talking about digital transformation, but actually doing digital transformation. Yeah. They're doing so because of the obvious kind of realization of being able to have people working from any internet connection anywhere in the world just as successfully as if they were in the office. 
to be able to offer their customers much more, not just buy something online, but proper self-servicing online. Those are those are no longer nice to have for businesses. And I don't care what insurance product you sell, and I don't care what kind of market, there's a digital transformation layer which your customers expect. And if you don't give it to them, they'll find somebody who will. So I would my sort of counsel would be it's a stay in the game requirement. If you haven't got a digital strategy, get one soon. Obviously, we'd be happy to talk to people about what we do. But even if it's not us, go talk to people about digital transformation because it's a stay in the game requirement. Absolutely, Jonathan. Thank you. Appreciate that. And what, what would you say to anyone who's considering maybe a career move from traditional insurance business into an insure tech? What would be your advice to those guys preparing to make that move? Well, I'm going to echo what I kind of what I said earlier, which is if you're very comfortable with your nine to five existence and it's very stable and it's very clear and it's very functional, stay where you are. If you're interested in that kind of exciting entrepreneurial experience where, you know, what you do on one day is different to what you're going to do next day, where you're going to have probably high expectations set of you, you know, you're going to be expected to go out there and find problems and solve them and be proactive and be innovative. But if that, if that floats your boat and that's the sort of person that you are, there are many, many opportunities in technology and there are many, many opportunities in InsureTech specifically where you can, you know, leave your mark right leave your mark on a business yeah. leave your mark on a customer relationship leave your mark on a on your manager that you've done a fantastic job and you've you've helped build something and if that kind of floats your boat and excites you then come and work for an insure tech like us and if not that's okay too jonathan that thank you so much we we've almost reached the end of our time today before we go though do you have one piece of closing advice for our listeners and how would they go about reaching out to you after the show? Look, I mean, I, I've used this, I've used this so many times. People, some people who've worked for me over the years will be absolutely bored with it. But the reality is I do have a bit of a personal mantra in, in business and, and in life generally, which is that you will never succeed beyond your wildest expectations unless you start with some wild expectations. And I've certainly led my life and my career with some fairly wild expectations at times. And that has fared me well in terms of being able to be, achieve achieve more. And so, you know, shoot for the stars, shoot for the stars, and reach the moon, and all of that. Those are kind of I know they're all cliches, but but actually, the reality is, I think it is how people need to be. You do need to be ambitious. You do need to be ambitious in order to achieve things. In terms of our business, um, you know, Jonathan.davy at hughub.co.uk or via our website hughub.co.uk. You can, there's a, a connect us, connect to us page there. Very happy to talk to people about the industry, about uh, what we're trying to do and how we're trying to transform the lives of insurance consumers for our retailers of insurance. Very happy to help and support. Reach for the stars, Jonathan. I, I certainly echo that. And I think, you know, whether it's within InsureTech or insurance, I think there's so many great opportunities for people's careers or, or if people have an entrepreneurial spirit to start something themselves. You're a great testament to that that it that it is possible and if you if you shoot high enough then you'll achieve some of those goals jonathan thank you so so much for your time today i've really enjoyed hearing more uh, not just about your personal career but also what you're doing there at hug hub it sounds like a really interesting and exciting place to be and i wish you all the success in the future well thanks for having me um, i very much enjoyed it and look forward to speaking to you and to your listeners again thank you very much Thank you, Jonathan. And to all our listeners out there, whether you're in the insure tech or insurance 
space, wherever you are listening around the world, I'm sure you would have gained a lot of insight and great learnings from Jonathan today. If you did enjoy the show, please remember to subscribe and download so that you receive each one of our podcasts into your app each week. But until next time, I've been Nick Hoadley. This has been the Insurance Coffee House Global InsureTech Series. Take care. You've been listening to the Insurance Coffee House with Nick Hoadley. Join us next time to hear more insights and inspiring success stories to help you become a better insurance business leader. Available to download or subscribe now.